gentlemen and welcome to episode 28 of the seize us show another week have a fun-filled event fun-filled podcast for you guys you know it's 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 great because this is the end of the nba regular season it's been one of the most exciting seasons seasons i've seen in a while and i just have so much so much drama, so much information to relate to my audience, and I think it's just going to be a great episode. Uh, obviously, the episode twenty-seven was great too. I had my boy Julius Evans, Julius Evans, aka Juicy Jew from DC, joining in. You know, just weighing in on some stuff. So that was great. I think this episode is going to top that one. You know, I feel like every episode should top the last one because if you're not improving, then what are you doing, right? But aside from that, I got one of my boys who works at the same job as me, Apex Systems. Jordan Pumbelli. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for Jordan Pumbelli. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on the show. No problem, no problem, man. I, I knew I knew since I first started working uh, at the same job as you, I, I knew this dude had some basketball energy. I just felt it. Actually, what gave it away was actually the first time I saw you, I think I was about to get interviewed. And you were one of the first guys to approach me. You like, you good? You need some water or anything? I was like, oh, okay, cool. Th- that that's when I knew the work environment was gonna be cool. And I remember when I shadowed you, you had a, a few basketball things on your desk. So I was like, yeah, I know this guy knows his ball. So we gonna we gonna kick things off real good. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, you know, just tell the audience, you know, who you are. Um, then talk a little bit about your basketball career. Yeah, uh, so name's Jordan Pompelli. Uh, I played basketball my whole life. Actually, I originally was a soccer player, but played overseas when I was in uh, Kenya and Uganda for a long time and uh, came to U.S. and played for a couple of clubs and got a couple of opportunities, a couple of looks for some European uh, mini uh, amateur clubs I was looking at. And uh, Slowly over the years, made a transition into basketball and became real passionate about the game, man. And really, I want to say last, oh, 15 so years, uh, put my heart and soul into becoming the, the best basketball player I could and Obviously, looking at different players to mimic different skill sets and game styles. Um, so, just do what I could to get myself in a good position to, to be where I am today. And so now I'm, I'm looking at a couple of opportunities I might have down the road to take my skills overseas. That 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 has to be exciting, you know. Just just the idea of just being wanted is something great. And you know, obviously, you know, basketball is something you hold, you know, you know, real real deal, real real deal dear to your heart i'm sorry so that's just dope i mean would you would you are you you are you considering that like is that is that a big is that a big thing you know it's a funny thing because originally i finished i finished high school didn't have any offers any schools that were necessarily looking at me at the time so i went to a small little baptist school uh down south carolina north greenville university and i um didn't even try out. I played. I did track and I played football for a year, but I mostly just focused on school. I, I came to the mindset that I need to just continue building myself in all the different areas of my life. And uh, towards the end of that time, I decided that I needed to give myself one more shot in basketball because my heart's there. So I uh, started working with the basketball team. Uh, and towards the end of the season, they, they gave me an opportunity. I reached out to a guy named Dustin Simcoe. 
He is mm-hmm. the president for WCL. So he does uh, a lot of scouting for European basketball. And uh, nice. him and I got into contact. We talked for a long time, uh, looking at a couple of things. And at the time, my dad had a couple of surgeries. So this ended up being the right time to, uh, to, to make a move to go overseas. And uh, uh-huh. so I started working with Apex for a while. And um, working with Apex, I enjoyed that, built myself into that. But, I mean, still harnessing my craft, still working out consistently every day. In fact, I got training here in the next 45 minutes or so. Uh, so, ironically enough, I, I was looking through my emails last night, and, and there it is. Justin Simcoe hits me up, says, Jordan, <laughs> uh, you know, we've had lots of conversations. I want to know what's going on. Are you interested in still going overseas? I definitely want to take a look. And so uh, now, you know, I'm sitting here with my wife, and we're, we're discussing the opportunities where we're taking – I shot at something that I didn't think was still open for me. That's good, man. It's always blessings in disguise. And like you said, you know, it's okay to have more than one passion. It's okay to have more than one occupation. Um, never give up on your dreams. Always try to pursue it. And like you said, you know, even though you, you know, are working at Apex, you're still doing something aside what you love. You're still doing basketball. So more of the story is never give up on your dreams, you know, and and, and just always, you know, always go go at it so that's pretty dope man and you know obviously it's going to be a big choice big decision um in your life you know there's going to be pros and cons you have to outweigh but um i'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to make that right choice and whatever choice you you know you do you know i'm staying by it i'm gonna stand by it and then you know i'm gonna rock with you to the end i appreciate it, man i'd love to get overseas we'll have to bring you to spain or something man we'll have a good time Hey, man, for sure, for sure so uh before we get into the hot topics um if you had a you know if you had a, you know, how, how how should I phrase this? Who whose basketball game in the league would you say that's most similar to yours? Because mine is mine is Danny Green. I, I'm I'm not the best, but you know, tall, lanky, three uh, and D player. You know that that that's that's my niche. Who 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 would you say you play most like? Danny Green, huh? Like the outside <laughs> shot. I like it. I like it. You know, it's it's funny because I'm I'm a shorter guy and bald. I always get told that I look like either a, a mix of Vince Carter and and, and uh, Derek Fisher. I get Derek Fisher a lot. Um, uh, I can see Derek Fisher. <laughs> uh, but play style wise, you know, growing up as a kid, I always wanted to be like Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was was my god. That was my my icon. And and as I continue to watch more and more basketball, it became to grow a, a huge passion for uh, for Kobe Bryant. Obviously, uh, man's outstanding with what he's done in his career. So uh, I look at my game. And really, at this point, I, I try to mimic myself the best I can to what I see with Dwayne Wade, and I honestly, I'm a hybrid, if you will, between Dwayne and Kobe. Ooh, okay, I like that. I like that. You know, what I'm saying, uh, I feel like I'm always getting injury prone, but one of these days when I'm finally healthy, you know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, come hoop with you. Obviously, I'm not on your level, but you know, I can hold my own. You know, what I'm saying, set you I some screens, you. get you some rebounds, switch whenever you need to, block some shots, and knock down that, knock down that open tray ball. Yes, sir. That sounds good. <laughs> well, other than that, let's get into today's hot topics. Um, normally, I don't really like to be a part of, you know, gossip and whatnot, but I think it's pretty I think it's pretty funny and I think it's kind of interesting to talk about just for a few minutes. Tristan Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Tristan Thompson, if you guys don't know, I'm pretty sure everyone knows, even if you don't even follow basketball, because if you know who the Kardashians are, everyone should know that you know that Khloe Kardashian is married to Tristan Thompson. Now, she's pregnant right now, and she's to the point where she can't travel over. The, she can't travel, so she's still in Cleveland down packed. And TMZ has some night vision goggles. Uh, 
and they basically caught him, you know, making out with two women at one of the nightclubs. And after that, there's another video that came out where he's leaving, going towards a hotel. He comes out of a black truck and goes towards a hotel. And right behind him, I guess, is his side chick. And they go inside. They get some pictures and videos snapped of him. And that's just not a good look for him. And then there's another video that comes out. There's a slight little tape uh, that's about... 10 seconds that comes out and she literally tags his name there. So it's just pretty interesting to see, you know, how, you know, this is good. How is this going to affect their family? How is this going to affect their, their playoff, you know, uh, you know, run. And, and cause I know there's going to be a lot of questions being asked that way. Obviously he's going to, you know, ignore all that, but how do you just feel about that whole situation? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's, there's a lot that comes to that. Obviously. I mean, the, the amount of videos and footage they put together, uh, obviously, there's, it's a huge, huge scandal here. Uh, it's two-sided uh, sword I see. Like for, for, for Tristan, he's got to keep his mind still on basketball. He's got to focus on what he's got to do because it's playoff time, and he's got to come ready to perform. And, and all this stuff is going to be in the back of his mind. Uh, for what I understand, uh, just had a, his son. So now there's the other side of the coin where he's thinking about uh, his family, thinking about supporting them, figuring out how, what he needs to do there because there's going to be a lot going on back there at the same time. So there's there's a lot that needs to be taken care of. I, I, from my side, I mean, I, I'm a married man myself. Uh, I, it's one of those things that I get it. You're you're at the top of the game. You're you're an, you're an icon. You're playing with the the legend. The, 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 honestly, uh, what people are going to be the goat today, right? Yeah. So I, I get it. I get it. You get the the, the attention, but uh, you can't you can't let yourself get caught up in all that. Exactly. I agree. You cannot let yourself get up. I mean, get caught up in that. You know, obviously you get when you're getting married, you're getting married for a reason. You're getting married because you find that one true love that you, you know, you think that you, 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 you know that you can't live with or without. Um, and you go above and beyond that distance. Now, I'm not married, but, you know, I've seen friends, I've seen my my parents, you know, you know, get married. And that's just really a sacred thing. So my thing is, like, why even put yourself in that place to you know do that wrong because you know your nature dude you're damn near seven feet tall you're going into a club even if you didn't play basketball but the first the first mindset i'm gonna have is yo this dude gotta play ball like just don't get yourself exposed like that i'm not i'm not the type to you know that that's that's his personal problem but if you do that there's smarter ways at, you know, doing that. So shame on him. I feel bad for Chloe. It just seems like she has bad luck with guys. I mean, she, she was married to Lamar Odom for a little bit. She had a little James Harden stuff for a little bit. And then to come back to this, where, 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 where she thinks she's found that, you know, final place, that final destination, it, it just kind of sucks and the baby's on the way. Right. Right. And at, at this, I mean, like I said before, it, it hurts uh, the relationship with them, it hurts the way that, that we per, per, perceive as athletes. So all around, it's it's one of those situations where you just wish never happened at all. For sure. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they can find some type of way to fix it. If not, it's totally understandable. You reap what you sow at the end of the day, you know. So karma is karma. Um, and like I said, that's on a, that's up to them. And, you know, it's up to her to see if she, you know, wants to fix things. But your know, prayers go out to that family. Um, and you know, we'll just stay tuned with that. Moving on. The New York Knicks have finally fired Jeff Hornacek after two seasons. Now I've never been quite a fan of Jeff Hornacek. I remember he has a little stint. Uh, I think it was with the Suns, I believe if correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I don't even think he had a winning record. Um, you know, so 
Phil Jackson, if you guys don't know, Phil Jackson was the GM a little bit for the New York Knicks stint, and he decided to hire, you know, Jeff Hornacek. Out of all coaches, I was like, yo, why would you hire this guy whose resume isn't quite as good as other options out there? Anyways, he's played there. He was a coach there for two seasons, and his <laughs> his record was 60-104 and 104 through his two years there. But it was just a lot of things that went into it. You know, obviously, I, like, I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit. He did have Phil Jackson over there. Phil Jackson wanted to implement a triangle system, and that's really not his forte. So he kind of had to sacrifice and kind of had to abide by those rules, and it just kind of really didn't show off his, you know, true coaching abilities. And you have a guy in Mello who really is not really locked in mentally there, so it just kind of causes a disruption. The pieces there for him weren't really that good. Turnaround this year, Porzingis, you know, he's has his own team. They're starting to try to build around him. They draft Frank Natoka. Uh, you know, they sign, uh, what's his name? Ennis Cantor. They get Michael Beasley. They get all these sort of pieces to go around. Um, they do a little well. They They start off a little strong, and then, Christoph Porzingis hurts his he's he he tears his ACL and the I mean when you lose your superstar it it only goes down from there it's it's not it's not that it's not that ideal when you know, it's not it's not likely when someone get when when someone of that caliber gets hurt you know you can pick up the pieces from that so um you know kudos to him uh how do you feel about that and who do you think they should get they they, they should you know go into pursuit to you know obtain a free agency as far as a coach and honestly, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, a lot of the times, Jeff's coaches get put into different systems, and the system that they're looking at just not the right fit for them. Uh, Jeff's been around coaching with the the Sixers, coaching uh, with the Suns, like you said. So uh, obviously, I think he's going to find a good place for him in the future. Uh, but that's that's the question. I, I know that Phil really loves to have uh, that running offense and that wants to put it uh, that triangle offense into, into function, but. Uh, the question that comes to mind is, is who's going to be the right fit for that. And that's something I, even I'm today still trying to figure out. Um, honestly, I was a huge fan when I was a young kid watching uh, Chicago in that, that triangle offense. But you see today that a lot of the game is changing. It's not quite going to be as functional. So uh, even with, with Melo there, it didn't quite work out. Porzingis being hurt now. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen. A lot of changes need to be made so that we're going to be in a good position to see them be able to perform the way they should be able to perform on a nightly basis. I agree. I agree. You know, uh, you know, I'm saying I am all about, you know, if you're a good coach, you're a good coach, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough job to do, but you know, with me, you know, I'm a, I'm a pro sometimes, you know, I, I want my brothers to get a chance. So two names that come to mind to me as Mark Jackson, who, you know, led the Warriors to a 50 win season. They went to the second round of playoffs. They just happened to lose to my team, San Antonio Spurs. He really instilled that winning culture, you know, within Golden State. Then you have David Fitz, David Fitzdale, aka Take That for Data, who you know was one of the assistant coaches through uh, the Miami Heat. And, you know, then he got his little you know little job in uh, what's it called Memphis. Went to the playoffs, went to a grueling six game versus Spurs, um, and you know he just had to deal with a whole bunch of different lineups this year. Mike Conley, you know, strained his Achilles again, so he was out basically, and that after that the stint was over he got fired so um do you think any of those coaches would be a good fit to the knicks uh, honestly i i think there's there's lots of good options there i really think that it's going to come down to um how phil wants to move things forward uh i, I, I couldn't even put a number on it. i really can't say uh, i'm interested in seeing what they're going to do um I, i've always enjoyed watching the knicks 
Uh, I've been a huge Melo fan for a long time. So, uh, you know, watching the Knicks for the past 10 so years, I'm definitely interested to see what changes they're going to make and what, what they're going to look at in terms of uh, coaching, not just uh, hiring a, a new head coach, but also assistant coaches that are going to be working in conjunction with them. So I'm not, I'm not too sure, but we'll see what, what's going to happen here. We'll see, man. I, I thought they were going in the right direction. Porzingis got hurt. Their coach got fired. Go for good thing Phil Jackson left. But it just seems like there's always something with New York. Maybe it's that water over there. I don't know, man. But, you know, hang tight, New York fans. Help is on the way. Maybe next year, maybe five years from now. We, we don't know. <laughs> but moving on, uh, Devin Booker came out with some strong comments the other day. And I'll just read the quote from to you guys. I'm done with not making the playoffs. I'm serious. This is probably my last year ever not making the playoffs. If that's, if that's going to put, you know, put pressure on myself, I'm going to take this summer and work that hard so it doesn't happen again. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for for those of you guys who don't know, Devin Booker is a shooting guard for the Phoenix Suns, one of the best young talents in the NBA. Uh, you know, it's just rough, man. The Suns finished last, dead last in the NBA. I believe their record was 21 and 61. They're probably going to have a top three pick secured. Um, how you feel about his comments? Uh, yeah, just talk to me about that. Oh, I love it. I love it, honestly. I mean, I think that, He's got to be careful with, with how he words things. But honestly, I, I love it. Uh, when I think about playing in the game, every night that you're on the floor, you have to have that kill mentality. I think Stephen A. had mentioned the other day, talking about Russell Westbrook, about the fact that when he gets on the floor, his goal is to actually demoralize you. He's not just there to win. He wants to actually crush your spirits. I think the quote he said is that he's he's coming for your throat. Uh, I mean, you look at Kobe Bryant, everyone calls him the Mamba, Black Mamba. Call him the assassin. The reality is, if you don't have that mentality, you are going to win this game. You are going to put yourself in the position to be what you want to be. The thing that you've pushed yourself for from the time you're a child to the time you've gotten yourself into the league, if you're not going to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes and it doesn't matter what wall stands in front of me, I'm going to push past it, there's no point to play the game. So I, honestly, I love the fact that Devin Booker sits there and says, this is it. We're done. We're done. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm excited to see what you're going to get because he's already playing outstanding. I think one of the things that we need to see coming into next season will definitely be how he leads. The boy can put up numbers. He, he hustles. He works hard. But I want to see how he leads because you got to rally the team so the team is on the same level of intensity mm-hmm. as he is on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, they did have the, last, the worst record. So, I mean, do you think it's worth staying, you know, Right now they have 21 wins. What if they what if they double that? What if they have 42 wins? Um, it's just so tough in the West. Like you had literally teams battling to get that last spot in the highest amount of wins just to get in was 47. So do you think if they show an improvement, he's going to be inclined to stay? Or do you think if they're not, you know, meeting expectations or meeting his expectations around that trade deadline, do you think he may demand a trade? You know, honestly, I, I do expect him to, to demand a trade. I do, because I see that being a common theme in today's league. But I would hope that he would choose to stick it out. And the reason I, I hope that is because you see so many players ready to, to jump ship when they feel like things are going the right way. But you look, at, you look at some of the greats. Dwayne Wade's been with Miami for how many years now? You look at Kobe Bryant. His entire career was with, with L.A., uh, apart from when he was with the, um, the Hornets when he first came into the league, the reality is there's an opportunity to build a legacy with uh, that fan base. Uh, we build a build part of that culture. 
And so for him to be able to be a young guy, as young as he is right now, I think he has an opportunity to, to make a legacy for himself, not just being able to be an, an all-time great player. So I, I personally think staying with uh, the Suns, working with his team, growing himself to be a better leader on and off the court, I think those that's the opportunity that everyone wishes to have. And with an opportunity like that, being as young as he is, uh, he could be doing some really fantastic things. I think it's worth his time to, to stick it out. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Stick it out. Try to build your legacy. You know, don't quit when the going gets tough. But we are in the era of super teams. So, you know, how long does he want to stay there? Does he want to watch them build? Is it going to take too long? Is he going to waste some of his prime career? Well, he's still in his prime. He's still a young kid. You know, it, it, it just all depends on what he wants at the end of the day. But, like, I, I, I definitely agree with you. You know, I would that that's that's his team you know what i'm saying um like you said lead by example go put in that work you know be that leader you know get everyone together in the off season you know fly them out somewhere you know go practice go at it you know look at film together you know try to find ways to get better to redefine your game so you can you know get that end goal get into the playoffs and see what happens from there so you know i definitely agree with you as well too go even the small stuff you look at uh, ezekiel elliott buying all the offensive line uh, you know, ATVs or how uh, Tom Brady will get his lineman uh, new Rolexes every year. Like it, the small stuff makes a difference too, but I, I think it's worth it for him to stick out. Like you said, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I'm so excited to talk about this next topic right here. The ROY, AKA rookie of the year. This has probably been one of the best races. I want to say what, since Grant Hill and, and what was the other guy's name? Grant Hill and Jason Kidd uh, had a co-rookie of the year. This has been a good race. You got Ben Simmons and you got my boy Donovan Mitchell, who I really didn't take notice of until he went on that win streak. Uh, it's, it's just a phenomenal, you know, year for both of these guys. Um, I'm just going to read these stats to you guys. Both average around the same amount of minutes. Both, you know, played the same amount of games. Donovan Mitchell played 80 games. Ben Simmons played 81. Uh, if you look at the points per game, Donovan Simmons averaged 21 points per game. Ben Simmons 16. Ben Simmons had a slightly higher field goal percentage. Well, he had a higher field goal percentage by 10%. He shot 55% from the field. Donovan Mitchell shot 44% of the field. Ben Simmons basically averaged 16, 8, and 8. Don, Donovan Mitchell 24 and 4. Um, you know, 80% from the free throw line. So, you know, they play pretty good, but it's just crazy, you know. If you took every if you if you if you if you if you just like blinded yourself to the stats and you know what they went by, I think my clear cut favorite would be Ben Simmons. But that just poses the question, like how are you gonna rate this? Are you gonna rate it off of just them playing their first year, or are you gonna rate them off of who really is a rookie because Donovan Mitchell came from Louisville. He probably had a few months to, after, you know, they got bounced out the, the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament. He had a few months to prepare and get drafted. He didn't even think he was going to be, a, you know, a top 15 pick. Um, and, you know, he's a 13th pick. You know, no one had any expectations. Gordon Hayward leaves, go to Boston. Um, you really thought that Utah wasn't even going to go to playoffs, and now they have the fifth seed. Um, and then you have Ben Simmons, who was the number one pick two years ago. Obviously, he broke his foot last year, but he got a chance to travel with the team, you know, work on his craft, you know, get advice from a lot of NBA players, work out with LeBron in the offseason, watch some tape, you know, just learn what it meant to be a professional. And he got to, you know, do that this year. So 
it's just hard to, you know, rate what you define a rookie is. Like, how, well, what are your thoughts on all that? And who do you believe should be the rookie of the year? I mean, you're, you're right. This is probably one of the most impressive classes of rookies. I mean, we've seen it in, in a long time. Um, I mean, now I'm thinking about like Markel Folds, thinking about uh, Jason Tatum. Like, I mean, there's some some stellar, stellar players out there. Uh, but similar to you, I, I'm thinking maybe Ben Simmons is the one that I would give the rookie of the year to. Uh, sitting there looking at, at Donovan Mitchell, uh, I knew he was electrifying watching him in college. Uh, you didn't know what the next level was going to be for him. But the potential that you see for both of those players, Ben Simmons and, and, and Mitchell, uh, you, you, there's no idea where they can go for, for what they can accomplish in, in this year alone, what you've seen in, in terms of numbers, stats, and really, honestly, I'd say play styles that you've seen that mimic some of the greats that we've seen yeah. in the past. Um, obviously, Ben Simmons mimics what everyone would compare to mm-hmm. LeBron James. And so everyone immediately um, gravitates yeah. to that because we see the legacy and, and the skill that comes from LeBron James, the leadership he has. So it's easy to, to say, oh, I'm, I'm leaning towards Ben Simmons because there's there's a bigger head. There's a king that stands behind him that people are, are kind of comparing him to. But I don't want to sleep on Donovan Mitchell. I mean, uh, honestly, for a while, I just thought he was a high flyer. And, and now you see what he's doing on, on the floor, uh, making smart decisions. He's making uh, NBA reads, veteran reads uh, as, a, as a rookie. And that is super impressive. I think the awareness, not only defensively and offensively in transition, is outstanding so it's it's a tough call i mean i'm i'm probably leaning towards ben simmons but i, w- I wouldn't sleep on a mitchell by any means i think uh, in terms of potential and long term i think both of them are, are brilliant i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's about nba ready as much as what we're seeing right now and what we see is two guys that are not just nba ready they're they're veterans they got yeah, it man i agree and i think one you know i i really like what you said you know you know, LeBron even calls him himself. He he calls him the fresh prince, you know. Um, and like you said, when, when LeBron co-signs something, you know, people automatically gravitate towards that. And another thing that might, you know, steer the audience towards Ben Simmons is you got to look at the market. Philly is one of one of the, you know, best markets to play basketball in as opposed to Utah. So automatically the fan base is gravita- gravitated towards that. And another thing you can argue, Ben Simmons and the 76ers went on a 16-game win streak. Um, and then also you can argue for Diamond Mitchell. They went on a, what, a 11-game tw- win streak. Um, I think no rookie has led his team in scoring since Carmelo Anthony. So uh, that was pretty cool. I um, mean, a win streak, that was pretty cool to see. But I was just looking at, you know, the toughness of, you know, their win streaks. And I'll, 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 I'll just, I'll just name some teams on the 76ers and just, and just, 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 just say washed or they were competitive on this win streak. You ready? They beat Brooklyn. (laughs) They beat Brooklyn. Oh, I'm sorry. I messed that up. They beat the Knicks. They beat Brooklyn. They played Charlotte. They played Memphis. They played Orlando. They played Minnesota. They played Denver. Then they played the Knicks again. Then they played Atlanta. Then they played Charlotte again. Then they played Brooklyn. Then they played Detroit. Then they went up into Cleveland. Then they played Dallas. Then they played Atlanta. Then they played Milwaukee. So out of those games, the only only real 
hard, good W's I see is probably from Cleveland. Uh, the Milwaukee one was great. The Minnesota and Denver game was great. Aside from that, they were pretty. These other teams were really under 500. And then when you flip to Utah when they had their win streak, you know, back in early February, they played some tough teams, man. They played San Antonio. They thumped them. They played New Orleans. They thumped them. They played Portland. They beat them. They played San Antonio again. They beat them. Um, so those and they played Golden State and they played Toronto and they beat them. So it's just a lot of you know different factors you can you know compare with. But like you said, I think at the end of the day, I mean, although it sucks that Ben Simmons is technically quote unquote not your quintessential rookie, I think he just has that competitive edge, competitive edge over him. Absolutely. And even the games that they've lost, they're, they're competing and they're in the game. It's, you know, we're not seeing them get blown out. We're seeing these guys fight and, and it's a, it's a nail biter all the yeah, way to man. the end. Uh, going to my next topic, Russell Westbrook, homie averaged another second consecutive triple double. Uh, I think he's the only person to ever do that back to back in a season. Um, it's just crazy um, to see someone of that build just go out there and go get the ball, man. Um, props to him. He he did his thing. Um, I'm proud of him. And and it's what's crazy is it seems like the narrative last year was, you know, KD left him. Um, now you got your own, you know, supporting cast for your movie. Let's see what you can do. You know, he got him one one them 47 wins. Uh, I think he got the sixth seed last year. Um, and he averaged a triple double, and no one's ever done that, you know, within 50 years since Oscar Robinson. So it's kind of just feels like it got swept under the rug this year. Um, and a lot of people, you know, have been criticizing him, saying that he pat stats. Um, and you know, he had a quote. A lot of people make jokes about stat padding, rebounds. You know, if people could get 20 rebounds every night, they would. If people could get fucking 15 rebounds, they would. And then, you know, later in that extra he went on to say is, you try to do it. And basically he was like, I play at 100% every time. You know, that's just who I am and that's just what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to change for nobody. What are your thoughts on historic, his another, you know, historic season? I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Right, like first and foremost, it's absolutely amazing uh, the work ethic that he puts in uh, on the off season to make sure his body's ready to to do that on a nightly basis is incredible. I mean, uh, the the reports that you hear how he do, he functions in practice, how he functions in off season. Uh, obviously, what you see in the court during the regular season, and obviously going to playoffs, what you see is a guy that it plays a hundred percent every single time. Now, there's never been a chance where you ever seen him take a break off. So obviously, that's that's amazing itself because a two game season alone. It's, it's grueling. It's physically grueling. So uh, it's amazing to see what he can do. Honestly, highly impressive that he has the mental fortitude to say, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to perform. I'm going to do things that I need to do to put my team in the best position to win. Uh, everyone got caught up in the whole KD leaving thing. But I, I don't think that's something he was thinking about. I don't think he was sitting there thinking, oh, KD's leaving. Uh, you know what I noticed? I noticed uh, Westbrook, uh, Damian, John Wall. There's a lot of these players that are their top players. That I feel like they're they feel slighted. I feel like there's too much narrative that's on yeah. other people and other teams, and, the, and people have forgotten. People are sleeping on the, the abilities and the skill sets that these guys have. So you see someone like Russell Westbrook, who's made the decision that Donovan is making now that I'm I'm going to be the next level. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to win. You know, and so I, you know, you look at guys like Devin Booker that, that just recently say, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. 
that you should have came into the league with that hat too. Because you look at Westbrook and you see the numbers he has. If I have to get 20 rebounds to win the game, that's what's going to happen. If I got to put up 40 points, that's what's going to happen. I think that's the right attitude that you have. I don't think he's a stat booster. I don't think he's trying to steal stats. I think he wants to do whatever it takes to win. So if the if the team can't get the rebound, he's going to get the rebound. If he the team can't get the loose ball, he's going to get the loose ball. That's that. That's the guy you want in the court. He's got a heart. He's got a mind. And he wants to win. I think the only thing you could see better for him coming into next year would be maybe some decision making, mm-hmm. shot selection. Those are things that I like to see a little bit different coming into next year. But for for two years of something like this, I mean, it's unheard of. Uh, it, you can be for more sure. impressed. I don't even have anything to say after that. Drops Mike Mamba out. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, yeah, that was great. I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, if it's why not go always one hundred percent like what are you playing for if you're not, you know, playing to be the best? So I love that mentality. Why not? And I stand by Russell Westbrook's one of my favorite players in the NBA. One of the most dominant, you know, explosive point guards I've ever seen in my life, you know, so props to him and we you know we'll see what they get done in the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, uh, there was a pretty interesting game last night, the Timberwolves versus the Nuggets. Now this was the first time in 20 years that, Two teams had to play each other to get that final eighth seed. It felt great. It felt like a playoff game. I know a lot of people, you know, really don't keep up with the NBA as much because it's 82 games. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to wait for the playoffs. I'm going to wait for when it matters the most. Well, we got a glimpse of what the playoffs are going to look like. It was great. These teams are going back at it. I remember at work yesterday, you were saying the Nuggets going to win. The Nuggets going to win. I was like, nah, man. Timberwolves got to win for the culture. I need to see Jimmy Buckets. I need to see Carl Anthony Towns. I need to see these guys go. And, you know, they went to overtime. They won 112, 106. They clinched that eighth seed. I think that was the first time since KG left. And they lost. And I think, in, no, I think that was the first time KG left. And and this is the first time Minnesota's going back to the playoff, I think, since 04 or 05. I can't really remember, but it's just crazy. I think it's a great accomplishment for the city. Um, I think their you know training staff did a great job. I think their management did a great job putting these pieces together and, and you know, just made it into a winning culture, man. Um, and, and it's just great to see how together they were um you know they stuck through it you know it's crazy you know i think if jimmy butler didn't come back these last three games these guys would not be in the playoffs so kudos to him he was supposed to be on a minute restriction he was only supposed to play under 25 minutes and (laughs) homie played damn near 40 minutes um actually he played looking at it right now how many did he play i don't even think this is up here what, 42 yeah, minutes like or something 42 like that? 42 minutes, and I was just like, wow, man. <laughs> it, went, it went to the wire. Like, it, it literally felt like a playoff basketball game. Like That is the best when it's like the final five minutes. You're just going back and forth, back and forth. You know, the game gets slowed down. Um, you know, the refs really don't call that many calls. It's just real physical. And it's just about, yo, who can get this stop and who can get this bucket? So it was just, it was just dope to see. I think at one point, uh, the Timberwolves were basically up like seven to nine points, and then the Nuggets came stormed back. Um, Murray hit a crit. I think it's, is it Moody or Murray? Is it Murray? Yeah, Murray hit this crazy Murray, three yeah. to go up, and, mm-hmm. and and it just it was just crazy. Um, so I learned a lot from that game. You know, just going into the playoffs, a you need a closer, which the Nuggets really didn't have. I think they should make. I don't think Jokic should be 
their closer. I think it should be Murray, honestly. It just seemed like they just didn't know what they wanted to do as a collective. So they just wasted a lot of time, you know, on the shot clock and they just tried, kept giving it to Jokic. And, you know, he was getting, he was getting strapped by Taj Gibson. Um, but it, it was just so crazy. Like, Jimmy Butler is an 80, what, 85, 86% free throw shooter. This dude missed like three straight free throws. I'm like, yo, come on. It can't be now. Like, is this what destiny is going to have it at? Um, and then who would you, who who would think that, you know, Carr and the Towns would have the craziest rebound of his career. And then, you know, Andrew Wiggins gets fouled and then he just sinks those two free throws to, you know, put them at the AC. How you feel about that game? What a, what a great game. I mean, on both sides, and obviously, like I said before, I was I was hoping to see Denver uh, <laughs> take the next steps and go into the playoffs. Obviously, I was I was looking forward to that. Uh, Jokic actually played a great game. Uh, I mean, all around played a great game. Was very active on the boards, active uh, defensively, offensively was was great. About I, I agree with you. I think getting to the end of the game, uh, they were they were hoping that he could put the team in the back and carry him through. And I think that a lot of that offense should have ran through Murray. I would have liked to see a lot more on ball springs. Uh, between uh, Jokic and Murray, I think that would have freed up both of them for better opportunities. Uh, but great game, honestly. Uh, I think, like you said, Butler was having some issues uh, free throw line shooting from the outside. Honestly, I think the the smaller players. Uh, everyone thinks about Towns and how you got the rebound, and obviously uh, Wiggins does a great job finishing. But I think about Teague as well. Oh, yeah. He knocked down his shots. He made good shot selections. That made a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Teague, had, the game. Teague did have. I remember Andrew Wiggins had a crazy pass to Teague, and then Teague just had that floater, and that just kind of like shifted the momentum. So that was crazy, man. Um, it just gets me excited for the playoffs, and this is where this is this is what I've been waiting to you know to you know talk about the playoffs. Um, seedings have finally been set in stone. Um, the East and West is pretty dope to see. You got Toronto on the East side. You got Toronto number one, Boston two, Philly three. Cleveland four, Indiana five, Miami six, Milwaukee seven, then the Wizards eight. And then on the West, you got the Red Hot Rockets at one, the Golden State Warriors at two, Portland at three, OKC at four, Utah at five, New Orleans at six, San Antonio at seven, and Minnesota at eight. Um, So, you know, just piggybacking off what we just talked about, you know, Denver and Minnesota getting into it. First round, you got Houston versus Minnesota. I think this is going to be probably one of the best matchups of the playoffs. Um, you got this team that hasn't been in the playoffs for over 10 years. Um, finally got that seed. You got two le- two legit all-stars on that team and an all-star caliber type of player when he has his mind right in Wiggins. Um, and you got the Red Hot Rockets. No one thought they were going to be this good this year. Um, you know, the GM's been talking about, yeah, we, we want to beat the Warriors, we want to beat the Warriors. They went out and got Chris Paul. They got Mambute. They got all these pieces. Um, and I think they finally found that right match, that right puzzle. Um, and, you know, now they got to put their true test to it. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup right here? Man, it, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic now that uh, Denver's out. And now I'm looking at seeing uh, Minnesota play against Houston. I'm thinking, man, I'd love to see Houston uh, play a good game, but I really want to <laughs> see Minnesota pull this out. But, uh, I mean, you're looking at it, it's going to be electrifying. Just like you said, this is going to be one of the best matchups we're going to see here. Uh, obviously, if you look at what Houston's done this record, you can take a half to them. Been very impressed with them. James Harden, obviously, is someone that everyone's talking about being the MVP this year. His numbers are great. Uh, CP3 has done everything you would hope he would do when he came to Houston. Uh, and he's done a good job for the most part, keeping himself out of injury. So, honestly, 
Uh, I, I'm excited about this, but I think that's the key right there. Is CP3 staying healthy throughout the playoff, uh, throughout the rounds? That's going to be the key factor, I think, for for them winning. Yeah, I agree. Uh, against I agree. Minnesota. Um, CP3's health has been a bit of concern these last couple of years. I think uh, back when he hit that crazy game winner against uh, over Tim Duncan to get to the second round, I actually played Houston. Uh, he had hamstring problems. I think the year after he broke his thumb. Um, so he's always seems like he's always hurt at the wrong time. And like you said, now he's finally healthy. Um, but like I said in the playoffs, it just comes down to that possession basketball game. And what I saw yesterday when Minnesota was playing against Denver was Minnesota got bothered by length a lot. Um, Jimmy Butler couldn't get those easy buckets he wanted to get in the crunch time. And it was crazy when Carl Anthony Towns, they basically did a you know pick and roll uh, with him and Jeff Teague. And so they switched and you had a smaller guy on Towns. It was it just seemed like Towns was it was hard for him to, you know, get an easy bucket. Um, but I think they got lucky because, like I said earlier, Denver didn't have an official closer. Now, when you have Houston, who is not only the best team, um, they're the best three-point shooting team as well, and you have an MVP candidate or, you know, soon-to-be MVP in, in uh, James Harden, and you have one of the best point guards of all time in Chris Paul, who are, I would say Chris Paul is one of the best closers in the NBA. And then you have James Harden who has something to prove. And I just feel like if it goes to a possession game, it's just going to be hard because if you get CP3 in ISO or you get Harden in ISO, you can't double team them. If you do double team them, you got shooters and snipers out there too. So I just feel like this game might get ugly. Um, but I'm going to give Timberwolves the benefit of the doubt. And I say it's going to go four games to two. But then again, with the Timberwolves, I don't really think Houston is as – is as long as the Denver Nuggets are. So I think Carl Anthony Towns, if he can start to impose his will early and they start locking up from the beginning, I think they may have a chance. What are your thoughts? How many games do you think it's going? I I completely agree. Uh, honestly, uh, looking at this matchup, I would almost say Minnesota reminds me of uh, <laughs> old school Spurs. Uh, I think for them to be effective and to, to, to uh, make a huge dent in, in this first round is they have to slow the ball down. Obviously, Houston's got shooters, so they're going to spread the floor. But um, with the shooting power and the inside game that uh, Wiggins and, and, and uh, Towns have, I think if they slow the game down, uh, they value their possessions, I think it's going to come down to how they play defense. They'll win this, this uh, series off of defense and off of controlling the ball. The longer the ball is in their hands, less time Houston has it, the better opportunity they're going to have to win. Um, honestly, <laughs> I could easily see this going to game yeah, six. Yeah, I said that too. Moving on, Golden State versus San Antonio. Now, I'm not going to talk about it too much. You guys know I'm a Spurs fan. Uh, to make a long story short, Kawhi Leonard got hurt. Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to play. I don't know why he doesn't want to play. Some people say he's hurt. Some people say he wants to get traded. Some people say he wants to be a face of a new franchise, be in a bigger market. Uh, you know, that Jordan deal was kind of trash, but he's not going to be there. Spurs got the seventh seed. Now they're playing Golden State Warriors, and Golden State doesn't have Steph Curry. Golden State has been hitting with the injury bug finally this year. You know, you had Steph Curry, who had numerous ankle injuries. Then he sprained his MCL. Klay Thompson broke his thumb. Then you had Draymond Green, who hurt his shoulder, and KD had a fracture rib. Iguodala's been in and out of the lineup. He's not where he used to be. Are the are the Golden State Warriors this vulnerable this year? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, they got hit with the uh, the injury plague, first of all. So uh, that's unfortunate to them because honestly, uh, 
the game of basketball is is obviously passionate for all these players, but it's it's passionate for all the fans too. So you want to see all of your favorite teams and all your favorite players playing at, at top potential. So knowing that uh, you got all these injuries going on right now, it, that's one of the downsides. Kind of sucks, but uh, nonetheless, they're very vulnerable right now. Now, and honestly, I don't. It's I think it's bigger than just Curry. Everyone says, "Oh, Curry's a he's a he's a spark. He's what gets the team going. He can you know his ability to spread the floor." They have they have a great team. They have a great team with great skills being able to spread the floor. They're currently playing even with Steph not on the floor. The thing that concerns me is there's they look lethargic when they're playing. The defensive effort doesn't seem to be there. I think they're they're not uh, able to control the board properly. And honestly, when you get to the playoffs. Controlling the boards, the difference agree. maker, but, winning but, and losing. Because you argue that maybe they just got bored of the regular season. You know, this is going to be their fourth time trying to go back to the finals. Um, obviously, you know, when, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers went to the finals three times in a row, you could tell that they were bored of the regular season and they were just focused on the playoffs. So do you think if it's any other team, it would be them to flip that switch? You're right. It did. It does seem like I remember saying that to you that it looks like they're they're just kind of bored. I, I remember telling you that, but at the same time, it's one of those things you you, you, you know you practice your what you're supposed to do. I remember a coach told me one time says Jordan practice mm-hmm. doesn't make uh, perfect; it makes permanent. And so if you're, you're you're permanently making yourself play lethargic, permanently making yourself lazy on on defense, permanently not hustling and moving to the ball, permanently not making uh, smart IQ decisions uh, on defense, mm-hmm. you're permanently going to be hurting yourself. So when I, I look at this team now, my concern is that they are permanently in a position where they're not going to do the things that they need to do on a nightly basis. Uh, so that's to me, that's the number one concern. I'm thinking about. Um, they're, I think they can flip the switch. Obviously, let's we can't take anything from from Golden State uh, apart from from Kawhi. I would say that KD mm. is uh, the second best player in the league right now. So obviously, obviously, you can say that they can flip the switch and they can get things going, but. At what cost? Do you have to be down two games? Do you have to be down the game? How many how many games do you have to lose? What do you have to see is at risk before you say we have to flip the switch? And you know, you look at these teams at this time of the year, you're, you're saying to yourself, all right, we need to play playoff style because we need to make this transfer over. And you see the teams that make that transition well. You look at the Cavs yeah. been playing really well lately. They're making a very good transition coming to the playoffs. So that's the thing to me is that if you're not making that transition now. That's true. Come man. Saturday, and that's I heard gonna that, uh Without KD, they are twenty. Uh, without KD, no, well, no, without KD and Steph Curry plays a twenty. No, and I think with KD there and Steph not there, they're like seven and ten or something like that. So that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy. I think Steph Curry just changes the whole the whole complexity of that team. You have people now, you know, when Steph Curry's there, you have to literally start to guard them from, you know, right when they get the ball. Now you can actually key in on players. You can actually make great adjustments. So I think the even, I think the the playing field is, has evened out a little bit. And if it's any team to beat the Warriors that are this vulnerable, even without a Kawhi, Coach Pop could do it. I mean, I think, I think they kind of tanked the other night playing the Pelicans. I think they really wanted to have that seven seed and play the Warriors because you can you can see that they have a weakness there. You know, the Spurs have the best home record in the whole league at thirty three and eight. Um, you know, if if the Spurs can be locked in and get and sneak and get game one like they were supposed to last year, then it gets real interesting. Yeah. So I mean, absolutely. Who you got? And then and and in how many games? 
I think it's going to be a good series, but uh, nonetheless, I think that the Warriors still have too much firepower. Uh, I think that uh, if it really came, it's a game of offense. I think it, I'd still choose K, uh, KD and the Warriors. So uh, I think the Warriors will take it. Uh, I think it, it might go game six. I wouldn't be surprised just because I think they're still a little lethargic. Like I said, when you practice playing poor, that's what you get on the floor. Yeah, so I, like that. I wouldn't I say be surprised if you got game six. If, if, if the Warriors actually getting up, getting up, maybe five, but – you know, go Spurs, go. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Moving on, Portland's about to play New Orleans. Um, I don't know. I think this is going to be a toss-up. You know, the hype was really crazy with Portland. Dame doing this and doing that. Dame not getting respect. Uh, you know, people thinking, uh, people sleeping on them. Um, you know, I came into this season thinking they were going to fight to get a seed. And <coughs> for them to get a three seed, it's pretty crazy. But you're looking at a lot of, you know, Maybe it's because we thought they weren't going to be this far, and they had the three C people are praising them. But if you look at the if you look at the landscape, like obviously you know OKC has three you know top tier players um, and whatnot, but they're only a game behind one to two games behind you know seeds four through eight. So it's pretty interesting to see. Um, what are your thoughts on Portland versus uh, the Pelicans? I think that's actually a great matchup. Um, I think I'm, I'm really excited to see this in the first round. Uh, it, it honestly, it, I, I could see it uh, 50-50 in both hands. I could see it go either way, um, based off of the performance I've seen throughout the year. Uh, I like the fact that Dame's got a chip on the shoulder. Um, that's one of the things that I think motivates a player the most is when uh, you feel like you've been slighted because now you have a reason to, to go out there and you play angry, you play aggressive, you have something to prove. So uh, I, I really like that. And I, I'm a huge Dame fan. I, I'm, I'm a point guard myself. So you got to always respect uh, those of your same craft. So, um, you know, looking at this, I think, I think this is another too. game six. I, honestly, I think it's a game seven. And uh, I, I love I love Anthony Davis. But um I'm gonna I'm gonna run with the the, the Blazers uh, because I think that they they have a great team there. I love uh, seeing the way they play together, and I think there's a clutch factor that you're getting this year from Dame that you haven't seen in the past years. And I think yeah, it's gonna, gonna see, be no. a huge difference. Maker. It's gonna be interesting. Um, you know, Anthony Davis has never won a playoff game. Will this be his year? He comes out um, and just proves us wrong. You know, you got a revitalized Ray John Rondo in the playoffs. We we know last year, if he doesn't get hurt and breaks his hand, they would have beat the Boston Celtics. Um, so it's just, interesting, it's just interesting to see how things are going to go and how, you know, these coaches are going to make these adjustments. But you're right. I got Portland in seven. Um, and then we have next and last in the West, OKC versus Utah. I think this is going to go seven games too. I think Utah is not a team to play with. Um, they've beat all the, they've competed or beat, you know, all the top teams. But I think OKC has this. I think they're going to win because you have three players who have a chip on their shoulder. You got a player in Paul George who, you know, obviously has had some success, not the success he wanted, um, you know, won't force his way out, you know, wants to prove himself once more. You know, he leaves Indiana and you got his guy in Victor Oladipo, who's the man of the show, brings his team to the fifth seed. You got Melo who wasted damn near his whole his end of his prime uh, in New York. Um, that hasn't been to playoffs in five years. And then you got Russ who, you know, everyone says, oh, it's too hard to play with you. Oh, you just, you know, pattern your stats so i think you're gonna see a revitalized team um just gonna just gonna start firing at all cylinders um what do you think about this matchup man this is gonna be a grudge match this is this is going to frontline battle frontier like 
Uh, Jazz, you seen them the whole year. They're physical. They play defense. They work together. They're all over the boards. Uh, they're a tough team. And then you got a team uh, like OKC, and they're aggressive, and they're going to attack the rim, and they're going to take um, a lot of possessions that are going to be based off what they're doing on, on fast break and transition. So uh, this is going to be fireworks. This is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. Looking at it, though, I think you're right. I think it's, it's easy to say uh, that um, OKC is going to pull away and, and be able to take this. I don't think it's going to be a sweep, though. Looking at what you've seen with Jazz this year, they've been able to beat teams that most people don't think they should be able to beat. And I think, honestly, uh, their, their physicality uh, uh, defensively is going to be a huge difference maker. I would expect them to make yeah, a good sure, fight, but sure. I expect OKC I to win if that. OKC, if OKC wins this convincingly, Houston, we have a problem, and that, that's that's real scary because right now they're positioned to if they win, they have to play the Rockets. Um, so man, we'll see. This they, if if it's any team to do it this year, like be a dark horse, I think it's OKC. But we'll see. And then moving on to the East, Absolutely. you got the baby dinosaurs playing the Washington Wizards. Honestly, man, even though Toronto's been the best team, they still haven't proved anything to me these past couple of years. It just seems like they look so promising in the regular season. And then out of nowhere, when the playoffs start, Kyle Lowry goes sleep. Um, you know, Dwayne Casey doesn't make the necessary adjustments. But this year's different. You know, they have more depth. Dorado DeRozan, you know, up this game. Kyle Lowry's been pretty consistent. But then again, you have the Wizards, and if there's any team to knock out the Raptors, the Wizards swept them before uh, a few years ago, 4-0. Um, John Walls just came back. He hasn't been here the majority of the season. That's why they're in the eighth seed. What do you think about this matchup? Do Should we take the Raptors seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely need to take them seriously. Honestly, if, if I'm being completely honest here, I'm I'm a little disappointed with Wall. I mean, if you remember beginning of the season, everyone was talking about uh, talking about Ball and how uh, Lonzo was going to take over the league. His new Showtime. Uh, I remember that first game. I, I was very intent on watching that first game, watching him uh, play against Lonzo, and I, I it wasn't what I was hoping to see. I was hoping to see him come out and and, and take over and absolutely just obliterate him. And not nothing against uh, Lonzo as much as uh, hey. You're a rook. Welcome to the league. This is this is what it's like to play at the top of the league. This is the, what it looks like to be one of the top guards in the league. This is what it looks like. This is the tone that we set, and that's what I was hoping to see. So I sit here now. I know he's had lots of injuries, and my my that's something that kind of concerns me. Is that uh, he, I, I'm not sure what type of John Wall I'm going to get um, come playoff time this year. And I, I, even last year, he, he he started off great. I felt like he started to fizzle at the end of the series. I want to see. John Wall be the guy that we all know we can beat. We all saw it in Kentucky, how great he is. So I think we're all ready to see that. But if we're all being fair, all being honest, uh, I think the Raptors are, are, in a, are a little bit higher caliber. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win. As you mentioned, the Rosen's been playing great this year. Um, but apart from this first round, that is my concern with uh, the Raptors moving forward. I think that they haven't made a whole lot of adjustments. So unless they're executing, making the right decisions, Lowry's uh, yes. staying aggressive. I think the key for them to win is him being aggressive from the start. Yes, yes, I'll yes. Kyle Lowry is the key. Because I feel round. like is that is that this point where you know what you're going to get out of DeMar DeRozan um, with his all-star caliber. But what are you going to get out of Kyle Lowry? Like, I, I just 
don't know yet about Kalari. And I feel like John Wall, like you said, John Wall has something to prove this year, man. So I just feel like with that matchup itself, I got Wall, Wall over Kalari any day. So it's just going to be interesting to see uh, who doesn't make the least amount of mistakes and who, you know, just, you know, makes the best adjustment. So it's just going to be interesting who you got winning that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that. I really am excited. Uh, like I said, I do want to see John Wall step up and, and, and show uh, the world what he's really capable of. How many but, games? Uh, I think the Raptors are going to come away with this one. I, I, I say seven, man. I say six. <laughs> I don't, I don't I say trust six. Kyle Lowry, but, uh, you know, they got one of the best home records as well at home, right under San Antonio. They should close it out. Ah. Come on, man. They got Drake on the sideline coaching. No, he's definitely going to be at every home game. It's about to be crazy (laughs) up in T. Dot. Moving on, Boston's playing Milwaukee. Now, for you guys that don't know, Gordon Hayward broke his leg, broke his ankle, right? Broke his ankle. Um, Kyrie Irving, who was their newly acquired Mm -hmm. talent via trade, he had some knee surgery. So, two of their all stars are out. Milwaukee, I mean, if it's any time to, you know, get to the second round, I think it's this year. But I just think at the end of the day, all the Milwaukee does have the Greek freak. I think Boston just is a better a better team. I think they're coached better. Um, and I think, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to improve a lot of players. I mean, a lot of naysayers wrong. And I got Boston winning in, winning in seven. What about you? You know, you're right. You're right. I mean, from the beginning, everyone's getting excited. My wife is a huge Boston fan. So from the beginning, we were ready to see Gordon get on the court and see what that team looked like. And obviously that injury was a, it was a huge blow. But honestly, if we're, if we're being completely honest, you look at what the Celtics have done this year, they're extremely impressive. They, they work extremely well together. Jalen Brown stepped up and he's putting up great numbers. Tatum obviously is one of the rookies that uh, definitely is highlighted for this year. Wonderful playing, wonderful working together. Acquiring uh, Greg Monroe was a, a great addition to the team. And honestly, I think Al Horford's game has improved this year than you've seen over the past couple of years, even while he was um, in Atlanta. So I think they, they look great. Uh, but like you said, with, with Marcus, who was a spark player for the team, still being out with his thumb injury and Thesis still having some injuries uh, with his knee, most likely not coming back the rest of the season. Obviously, there's, there's some holes that we have. But you sit there and you, and you look at the two teams and I feel like there's there's uh, momentum and there's there's a defensive uh, mindset that you get from the Celtics that I'm not seeing from uh, the Bucks. And not to take away from from uh, Giannis and the rest of the team, uh, I just don't see them being on the matchup uh, to to be able to beat Celtics. I nice, nice, I, nice. I agree. With you. Then we I'm got you know seven. King I'm James and the Cavs versus Victor Oladipo and the Pacers. I think this is going to be a pretty a pretty pretty good series to watch. I think it's going to be kind of high scoring. I don't think teams are going to play defense that much. Um, but I just feel like when you have the best player in the world, you're just bound to win this round. LeBron James has never lost a first-round matchup in his whole entire career. And I think they're going to win four games to one. I think LeBron and those boys are going to be locked in and locked in and locked in and locked in. Um I don't think Indiana has an answer for him. It's going to be exciting to see Victor Oladipo, you know, do his thing. But when push comes to shove, you just can't bet against the Kings. Like you said, Cleveland's been on a roll. They're 7-3 in their last games. And we've seen, you know, when they really want to lock up, they lock up. They were down 30 against Philly, and they scrapped and only held 
Philly, I think, to like 32 points in the second half. They almost won that game, but LeBron James didn't miss that free throw and, and Lance Jr. didn't tap that back in. So, you know, LeBron has a lot to prove. Um, you know, he could be considered an MVP every year. This is actually his, he, he, he actually reached a milestone this year and he played 82 games for the first time. You know, this is a guy who's went through so much. Uh, you know, this year he thought he was going to be playing with Kyrie, all to, you know, get traded, get Isaiah there, got a new roster. Isaiah ends up still having a hip injury, gets his best friend trade away. Then they have to put in a whole new team. For him to still remain calm, still play at a high level, still give you every single game, 82 games, and still win 50 games for you when all this has been happening, that just shows how great he is. And um, I think he's on a mission this year. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, enough said. You, uh, I couldn't say anything more to it. I mean, uh, they've had a roller coaster of a year, and and LeBron has been able to keep composure and play at the level that he needs to. He's the king. We know why he's the king. We've seen him be the king. There's no questions about it. So, looking at this series, uh, it's, it's I think it's pretty straightforward. Honestly, though, if there's a chance that he would lose the first round, this is it, and it's only because there's been so much going on this year, and there's so much that still needs to be growing with this team. This is a building chemistry and learning play styles. This, this is the only time I'd, I'd see it happen. But uh, I think that we've seen that LeBron's been able to pull through and get things done no matter what. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a different story. I think you got it spot on. 4-1. Get him out here, King. Get some rest and get, let that team practice a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> barbecue chicken. That's right. It's going to be barbecue Last chicken out least, there. least, we got... Trust the process versus the Miami Heat. Now, this is going to be an interesting matchup. Honestly, I think it can go either way. If you look back at the regular season, they played each other four times. Both of them split it up two games to two. Basically, their field goal percentage was the same, around 43% points per game. They averaged around 102 points a game. So it's going to be interesting, you know, I want to say Philly. Um, I, I just feel like Philly, you know, with, you know, a young LeBron James and damn near a young Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon and, and Embiid. I just think that I just think that they're just going to have too much firepower. Philly has a great I didn't I didn't realize how great their team was from, you know, roster number roster number one to, you know, damn near the last person to number 12. But I think that. Although they don't have playoff experience, they're just playing at such a high level. Um, I just think that's going to carry on into the playoffs. And I think you, although you do have Hassan Whiteside, I really think you don't have no answer for, you know, Joel Embiid. Um, and I think it could get real ugly. It's either going to get real ugly or it's going to go to seven games. Um, at the end of the day, you still got D Wade, Father Prime, who, if it's a close game, he's, if it's any series for him to go off and win you some games, it would be this season. I mean, this uh, round. But it's just really, really tough. I really don't know where it's going to go. On paper, you would say Philly, but. Miami's been a damn good team this year, too. Um, although they're only 44 and 38, every game was damn near competitive. So I think, you know, just going back to when, you know, the Spurs, uh, you know, beat the um, beat Miami. Um, and even the first year when Miami beat the Spurs, you can see that Greg Popovich dared LeBron James to shoot. And if Eric's supposed to learn anything, I think you're going to try to do the same thing that got, you know, 
got your way. So I think they're going to try to force Ben Simmons into a jump shooter. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of crazy tactics. It might get super crazy on Hacker, Hacker, Hacker Ben Simmons because he's a terrible free throw shooter. He can't shoot. So it could go either way. How do you feel about this uh, this matchup? This is another one of those games. I think it's going to be a a, a, a fight, a real battle. Uh, I'm like you know, I, I've told you from the beginning. I'm a huge Dwayne Wade fan. My game style's play was really based off him at a young age. I got a huge eight foot Dwayne Wade poster on my wall. So you know, I I, I want to ride with Miami. I want to, but when I sit here and look at this team, I look at the Sixers. I look at what they've done this year. They're incredible. Honestly, they're they're incredible. I think this is a, a very impressive team. You're right. They are going to make him try to shoot. They are going to uh, play real tough defense. They're going to they're going to crowd the paint, but I think they're going to pull through. I think that they have the skill set, and I think that if they play the game um, with speed and aggressiveness, I think they can easily come through this. I don't even think it's going to be something that we're going to see go to oh, game damn. six or seven. I'm, I'm going to say four <laughs> that's, one. That's pretty four, bold, for, man. Uh, we Sixers. might have to bet on that. <laughs> right. I know. I know, I know. And look, it hurts my feelings to say it because I'm a Wade fan, but I'm, you never know what he's going to do with the playoffs. If, we, if, we, if we've seen it in the past, you've seen a, a monster come through in the playoffs. But I think, uh, I think we're, we're past that level of, of uh, physicality from Wade. So I'm, yeah, I, don't I feel think like that, Philly really uh, has to set the tone the from the beginning and push the pace. When, when Ben Simmons gets that rebound and he's going down the court, it's really it's crazy, man. Um, they're they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the NBA. Um, just to see them on this, you know, crazy win streak, um, it, it's just going to be crazy. But the only thing I'm concerned about is crunch time. You know, Embiid's definitely going to miss that first game. Is that going to be, you know, is Miami going to steal home court winning that game? Is Ben Simmons going to come through? Like, it's just so many variables. So it's just interesting to see what's going to happen. But yeah, so before we, you know, end things up, what number one seed is most likely to get bounced out the first round and why? That's tough. That's a tough one. Uh, you know, <laughs> part of me wants to say I wouldn't be surprised if it's Houston. And uh, the reason I say that is because of the fact that um, if the game is slowed down and uh, Minnesota values the ball, plays possession, possession offense, I think that they can slow the game down and make it difficult for the Rockets to play the electrifying offense that they have. And if they can't get up and down the court the way you've seen this season, it's going to be a huge game changer. I think if you can uh, do a good job of uh, guarding and, and protecting uh, the rim from from Harden, if you can do a good job of keeping CP3 from being effective from the outside, keeping him from being able to make room in the paint to swing the ball to the outside to the shooters, if you can do a good job of holding down CP3 and you can keep Harden from the outside, uh, getting inside, I think they have a great chance, especially with uh, slowing down the ball on offense. Um, nice. Man. I think there's one that I would believe in. That's the one. <laughs> good. And then two more questions for you. I know, the shot in the dark. Who that's why do I think. you have coming out of the East and who do you have coming out of the West? And then after that, who are your dark horses? From each conference. Oh yeah, I agree. Well, I think OKC is definitely my, my dark horse. I, I, I think they're going to be able to do some special things this year. Um, coming out of the the West, yeah, that's the, so that's a tough one, man. I mean, it can go up either way. 
uh, Warriors or, or uh, probably Houston based on what you see this year. Um, so, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll say Houston looking at the numbers for this year and looking at what the issues the Warriors have had. But uh, in the East, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one. It's easy to go with the King. I mean, if we're honest, it's, it's easy to go there. That's what everyone's already doing already. But you know what, I think this is a different year. I don't think that they're where they need to be to be able to be a championship team. Playoff team, absolutely. Conference final team, absolutely. A championship team, a finals team, I don't know yet. I, I'm still not sold. So if I'm looking at the East and I say I need a team that I think it's going to be, if it's right now, could be a finals ready, the, the closest team in my personal opinion is, is going to be uh, the Raptors. Now, if I'm being biased, mm, I'm going to say the Celtics. But I, if I'm I being agree honest, with you too a little bit. Raptors, um, like you said, my dark horse in the West is definitely OKC. I just feel like they are a playoff team. My dark horse in the East are the Philadelphia 76ers. I just think they have inside-out game. They have the defense. They have the shooting. Um, they have a you know a coach under Greg Popovich. I think if it's any year, it's this year. And obviously, if it's not, it's because of their lack of experience in the playoffs. Um, and then you, and then you know, Houston. If I had a pick, I'll go with Houston just because Golden State's so banged up. Um, and then the East, I can't bet against the King. So you know, I'm going with LeBron James, but. If I had to see something different this year, it would kind of be cool to see Philly play OKC. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a seven-game series out of that. For sure, for sure, for sure. But thanks, Absolutely. Jordan, be for being on this episode, episode 28 of the season show. It was really great having you, man. No problem, no problem. You know, you know, we're gonna talk Thank some you, more man. tomorrow. I appreciate but it. I'm really gonna let do. you, you know, go to your workout. I know I held you a little late. I'm sorry about that. It's all right. Train no problem. Stop, and you know, you good know, luck to I your future endeavors. So, whatever uh, you know, decision stop. you you know decide to make, man. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard episode Definitely. 28 of the season show. My boy Jordan was on the episode. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a great playoff, you know, playoff, you know, one of the best playoffs ever. So anything can happen this year. It's up for grabs. It's literally up for grabs. Obviously, you have your favorites, but I think it is up for grabs. And, you know, it's going to be exciting. You know, tune in next week to episode 29. Make sure you subscribe to me on uh, iTunes Podcast Connect and SoundCloud at Cersei's. That's S-I-R-S-E-E-Z-U-S. See you next week. 